Hello, my name is Maggie Taggart. I'm a broadcast journalist and I was BBC Northern Ireland's education correspondent for 20 years. Now I've linked up with the Equality Commission for a series of podcasts on tackling educational inequalities. We'll be looking at the problems and also the innovative ideas to deal with them. Today I'm joined by Ali Goddard, a teacher at Malone Integrated College in Belfast. He has responsibility for pupils who speak English as an additional language and also oversees the Bilingual Centre. To illustrate what he does and what can be achieved, he has brought along two pupils, that's Sidra Al-Saidi and Omar Ghanam. Now, Ali, let me start with you first of all. What sort of support does the Bilingual Centre offer to, to pupils? So the Bilingual Centre supports pupils in a number of ways. Um, it would support pupils in terms of nurturing pupils, helping them to feel at ease, helping them to feel more comfortable, helping them to successfully integrate into school. And there's a variety of challenges pupils would face. Specifically, pupils might have witnessed trauma. They might have witnessed oppression uh, and conflict. So there might be some pupils, well, undoubtedly there'd be some pupils that have really suffered from a lot of trauma. So our priority would be, and this is the same with all of our pupils, I might add, but our, our priority would be making the pupils feel comfortable and at ease within the environment, building up trust, building up relationships with staff and giving staff, obviously, the opportunity to get to know pupils really well. Now, we would do that for a variety of means. We would have activities outside of the bilingual centre and within the bilingual centre as well. So, for example, my colleague Nicola McIntyre would carry out what we call language of the month. Pupils and staff would greet each other with hello and goodbye, please and thank you in a particular language for that month. And she would demonstrate, uh, Omar actually did this very recently, he um, talked along with some of his peers about those keywords, told people a little bit about the history of their Arabic language, where it's spoken in the world, how many speakers there are, for example, and then they would model some of the keywords. And Miss McIntyre, she's done that for a couple of years now, and she does a brilliant job of that. It's really good. And pre-COVID times, we would have had assemblies as well, whereas the assemblies have uh, switched to remote online now, where they'd be displayed via PowerPoint. Um, but as I say, she would do a great job of promoting those language of the month. And I feel things like that helps to put pupils at ease. I mean, it's just logical, isn't it? If you were to go to a different country and people to greet you in your own language, you would instantly feel a connection, you'd instantly feel welcome. And then within the bilingual centre, my colleague Kelly Kashulo, she puts on some great activities. So for example, she would do a Valentine's Day themed event or she would do a Halloween themed event. And it's almost like a celebration for a few lessons. So that's the social aspect of it. What about the academic aspect? In the bilingual centre, we would support pupils with their, their English language, both written and verbally. We would try and encourage a lot of talking predominantly and then work on the written skills subsequently further down the line. And we would do that on an individual basis. So some pupils would need to be taken out of all of their lessons. Others would maybe have one or two lessons, for example, perhaps in place of history or Spanish. Um, and as I say, it's a pupil by pupil basis. And we would monitor that closely and see if we feel like that needs to be modified or maybe the, the pupil needs to come out for more lessons to get more additional, more intensive support. Uh, and we would, between myself and my colleagues, support those pupils in the bilingual centre to try and develop their English um, speaking and written ability. So it's very much a tailored approach to each pupil. Yeah, it's a perfect way of describing it. So let's ask Omar, first of all, what does the bilingual centre do for you? Yeah, so um, as an A-level student, I sometimes go to study period, but instead of going there, I go to the bilingual centre to get some help from 
either Mr. Goddard or Miss Kelly. I use the computers and uh, if I'm like stuck or something, I ask them questions and they can help me like doing my work and stuff. And you, Cedra, when you go to the bilingual centre, is it for help with study or is it to socialise and just feel comfortable? Um, it's, it depends on how I feel. So sometimes I need support with like subjects in my in my class, but um, other times just like to have a chat with a, a friend or just the teachers. Do you feel more relaxed in the bilingual centre than you would do in, say, a, a, a study room? I do. Why? Because it's all quiet in there and there's not a lot of people. So, like, you get time to, like, relax yourself and you get, like, a wee bit of silence. Cedra says that. She's one of the loudest pupils in there. <laughs> <laughs> Omar, do you socialise much in there or do you mainly use it for learning? No, because um, it's my study period, so I try to do as much as I can. So there there are people there actually who are my friends, but I try not to speak with them as much as possible and focus on my work. I'm sure that's bringing results, is it, Hallie? No, it is. Um, I mean, using Imar as a case in point, Imar arrived five years ago uh, to Northern Ireland, to Belfast. Um, and I remember vividly meeting Imar for the first time, and Imar had a lovely smile, um, but Omar couldn't speak to us. Um, he didn't know any English at the time, but his progress since then um, to now is phenomenal. Um, Omar is, you know, he's, he's competent in English and Arabic, and I think it's great that he feels comfortable enough that he can converse with his peers in Arabic. Um, he has a good written standard of Arabic as well, but equally his English is exceptionally good as you can hear yourself, um, and he's able to write competently in English. Um, uh, and as I said, it's it's a real pleasure to have seen and witnessed personally that progress over the, the past five years to now a pupil who's a prefect, um, who's given responsibility at lunchtime, who is respected by his peers and staff alike, um, who's doing very well in his A-levels. Omar, did you find difficulty settling down into the school? Uh, uh, not only because you didn't have English, but because where you where you'd come from? Yeah, so um, first day at school was kind of like really hard for me because um, I used to sit with Miss Kelly and do my work but like the actual first day when I had to go to class it was really hard for me because I didn't speak any English it was a new thing to me like a new experience to try out uh, I tried to do some work but you know um, I didn't really understand what the teacher used to say um, there was a friend actually who, who used to help me sometimes to translate for me Cedra, did you feel at all uncomfortable when you arrived? I felt a wee bit shy because I went from speaking full Danish to full English and it was like something new for me because I have to move from one language to another just like overnight and then I didn't know anyone in the school so it was like a wee bit stressful but then with the time I got to know a lot of people there and a lot of teachers supported me and a lot of students supported me so, all good now. One of the great things of Malone is um, we buddy up a lot of the pupils and not necessarily pupils that speak the same first language. I think just the fact that there might be other newcomer pupils that have had a similar experience perhaps of coming to a new country, coming to somewhere where they don't necessarily speak the language, maybe 
share the same values, etc. Uh, just knowing that there's somebody else that's been through that same experience gives them comfort, gives them reassurance. Um, and the buddying system we have within the school really helps. And do you think that if pupils don't have English as their first language, can they achieve the same levels they might have done in the best of times in their native countries? It's a really tough question to answer. I would say yes, based purely on the fact typically our pupils are incredibly driven and motivated and there's just an absolute desire to succeed and make the best of the situation that's been presented to them. And of course there's exceptions to that, that's not always the case. But generally speaking, our pupils, um, particularly our EAL pupils, uh, are just an incredible desire um, and motivation to better themselves uh, and to get the best grades possible. But there must be pupils who were never going to achieve a very high level of, of educational competency. Like our Indigenous pupils, there would be some pupils that don't necessarily go down an academic route in the sense they wouldn't necessarily go on to sit form and study higher education. Um, there's some pupils, put quite simply, are looking to go into the place of work at 16 years of age. And there's others that want to stay on and, and work through the sick form to study their A-levels and go on to university. And we have had multiple pupils that have done that, both Indigenous uh, and DAL. Omar, tell me, what do you think about if you'd stuck with, with Arabic in your home country, would you have achieved as much? Arabic is a really hard language, I'm, I'm going to say. Um, no, I don't think so, because the writing is really, really difficult in Arabic, even the reading as well. It would be really hard for me, and even if someone who doesn't speak Arabic goes to like a Middle Eastern country or like an Arabic country to try and learn Arabic, it would take him so much time to get to a level like this, like, let's say, 10 years to get to the level I am in English now. So you think you'll achieve a whole lot more? Yes. In the situation you're in now? Yeah. Let me ask you about the, the parental support, Ali. Do you have much interaction with the parents? Yeah, we do. We're fortunate enough that I can just lift up the phone and speak via an interpreter. Um, so it's very easy to communicate with parents, albeit sometimes you have to wait on hold for five, ten minutes, and obviously that can quickly add up in terms of time consumption. But no, in terms of being able to communicate with that facility, it's great because obviously it's just a matter of contacting the interpreters to make those phone calls. And can you really encourage parents in the way they interact with their children with homeworks and so forth, or is that not really possible? We would face challenges in terms of direct parental support with work specifically. I mean, the parents, in my experience, are very supportive in terms of encouraging pupils to engage with homework and complete homework tasks. In terms of actually supporting with the content of work, that becomes much more challenging. Um, and what I tend to find in my experience is the pupils, understandably, would develop their English at a much quicker rate than what their parents' carers would. Um, that's not always the case. There are exceptions, but generally speaking, the pupils would, just because I guess they're immersed on a day-to-day -day basis in English, uh, and they've got peers as well speaking English and also their, their first languages, the pupils tend to progress uh, a lot quicker in terms of their language acquisition. So the challenge becomes then, obviously the parents are supportive in terms of getting the pupils to do the work uh, and to study at home, but it's much harder to support specifically with the content of the work. Obviously you're not the only school in, in Northern Ireland which does have a big influx of students who don't have English as a first language, maybe sometimes multiple languages in the same school. They must look at your unit and say, that is what we would love, but they haven't got it. So what would you say to them? 
Well, I think first of all, uh, yes, we're very proud of the support mechanisms we have in place and the support from staff at Malone and the, uh, the nature of the pupils we have. But I think it's important to recognise that we are constantly learning. We're, we're always looking to develop our practice. We're by no means the finished article. and We're always looking for ideas and for support and advice from other schools as well. And as part of that, we like to think we share practice in the area of VAL and the area of supporting pupils and not just in Belfast, further afield. Um, we have worked with schools in Dublin, schools over in England. Um, and as I say, we're very open to ideas and suggestions as we look to continue to develop and evolve our practice. Looking into the future, do you have an ideal situation and an ideal scenario that you would like to have in the school? Ultimately, we want to continue to support pupils and continue to develop that support and, as I say, look for the best ideas possible in terms of best practice with a view to pupils successfully integrating into the wider society, into Belfast. Um, becoming productive and respectful members of society and to tell you the truth in my experience all of our pupils are doing that and their families are, are gaining effective employment they're contributing they're integrating positively a lot of our pupils would play sport for example they'd engage with the local communities they have both indigenous friends and EAL friends as well. How does the bilingual centre interact and impact the rest of the school? I think as an integrated school with around 683 pupils as recently as last week, that was the latest count, it's important to acknowledge that a minority of pupils, I say minority is still talking a significant number, um, so around a quarter of our pupils would be pupils that have maybe been born in Belfast to parents that speak another language other than English or born outside of Belfast. Um, so as I say, it's a real mixture at the school, um, but I think in terms of the general benefit of the bilingual centre, not just in terms of supporting pupils, uh, supporting the AL pupils, but I think promoting empathy would be the biggest, promoting relationships and an understanding between pupils and challenging maybe misconceptions, uh, challenging stereotypes. And I think for me as an Englishman uh, living in Lurgan, it's still it makes my mind boggle that I see there's a British end of town and an Irish end of town. And for me, I guess if I look at this with my experience now of living here for six years and working here for six years, I think the way to successfully integrate people in a society that can be at times polarised as it is here, the way to successfully integrate is by achieving that at school, if that makes sense. It's establishing those relationships at school and if pupils grow up together, and they grow up with pupils of different nationalities, different languages, different religions, different political beliefs, different sexuality. It's normalised to be different. It's normalised to have different views, but it's normalised to be respectful. And I think that's probably the most powerful thing about Malone College and the Bilingual Centre. And I think some of the things we've done, um, I look at most recently we had Refugee Week. Obviously, it's important to acknowledge refugees and the challenges refugees face, but also to acknowledge there's pupils that have been forcibly displaced for a variety of reasons. They might be asylum seeking, they might be looking for better jobs, better healthcare, a society where they're not oppressed. And I think it's really important that there's that understanding, there's that respect, that empathy, and there's that care between uh, pupils for one another. Uh, and if I go back specifically to Refugee Week, the theme was that pupils shouldn't walk alone. We did a little bit of work in form time, just talking about some of the challenges and 
talking about some of the stories and some of the pupils were able to open up and talk about the reasons why they came to Belfast. Some of the pupils didn't feel comfortable with that and that was fine. Um, but what we got all the pupils across the school to do was to write some supportive messages in hearts and I've actually brought along a few of those today and it's all well and good me saying these things but I think it's better to give you some examples of some of the comments that were made and it was actually really hard to pick um, out of all the messages that were produced a smaller selection but I'm going to read a few to you now um, and some of them really kind of struck a chord with me so if I read you this one it says no one puts their children in a boat unless the water is safer than the land which I thought was just incredibly powerful mm -hmm. um, to be called a refugee is the opposite of an insult it's a badge of strength courage and victory um, we might not have the same experience but all of us can help you are always welcome at Malone live your life the way you want it to be very supportive messages incredible um, very deep and meaningful and, and for me that displays firsthand the empathy and understanding between pupils. Cedra, did you find that having that, that week encouraged people to ask you about your history and your journey? It's hard for me to like open up for people I've only known for months or for years, but like I'm most likely to open for people that I've known for like many years. And then for teachers, because obviously they always like support me and they will always be there for me. And they'll try their best to like see what they can do to help me out and just. So you're slow to, to share what you went through trying to come to Belfast. Yeah, because I find it difficult just like tell everyone right away how it went and what I've experienced. So. And Omar, what do you think? Do you find it easy to, to relate to other people? Yeah, I have no problem of telling my story to different people and especially for teachers as they support me a lot. I've had like a lot of support from teachers recently. Um, I would tell it for friends, yeah, no problem with me. Well, that, that makes me more confident and uh, increase my self-esteem as I, you know, like think good about myself and take all that support from my friends and think about it and leave the negative stuff away from me. Well, listen, that has been a wonderful conversation with all three of you. Thank you very much for coming along and sharing that. And to Omar and Sidra, the best of luck in your studies. And I hope you do very well. Thank you. Thank you. And don't stray too far away from Belfast, or you won't. <laughs> If you're interested in the topics we've been discussing, this is one of a series of podcasts from the Equality Commission dealing with educational inequalities. You can find them all on the Equality Commission's website.